This week on Inside Motorsport, we look back at the Australian Grand Prix weekend with Lachlan Mansell. I hope you'll stay with us. Lachlan Mansell, welcome back to Inside Motorsport after another interesting weekend of Formula One action. And of course, uh, the weekend is much, much more than just Formula One. Good evening, Craig. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, it is a lot more than Formula One. We could put a sort of sport categories, but Formula One is the main show. And with the new regulations for 2017, it was very much the main focus of everybody over the course of the weekend. What, in your opinion, the biggest change for the cars? I, I think there were some quite distinctive changes for this year's cars compared to last year. Uh, the, the fact that the tyres were wider was one of the most obvious, but also the fact that a lot of the aerodynamic devices, particularly the front and rear wings, were quite different shapes and sizes as well. And probably the other one that a lot of people would have observed would have been the shark fins, which were very polarising in terms of what people thought about them. Some people thought that they were a distinctive feature of the cars. Other people thought that they were maybe a bit ugly. So, yeah, anyway, um, it was interesting to see the new cars with the new aerodynamic regulations in action for the first time. And good to see as well that unlike the last three years, we might have a genuine championship fight on our hands between a couple of drivers from different teams in Mercedes and Ferrari. It was a lot of the same old, same old up the front, though. It was, but encouragingly, Ferrari, even in qualifying, were a lot closer to the pace of the Mercedes. Yes, Mercedes made a fundamental strategy error in the race which handed the Ferrari of Sebastian Vettel the race victory, but in qualifying pace, Vettel was a lot closer to the Mercedes than what Ferrari had been at any stage for the last couple of years. So that gives us hope that we're going to see a good championship contest between those two teams. Daniel Ricciardo had the weight of the country on his shoulders. Yeah, he, he just had a shocker. And in fact, it was a challenging battle for the entire Red Bull team because Max Verstappen had his share of incidents and excursions over the course of the weekend as well. And... A lot of there was a lot of anticipation and a lot of hope that Red Bull were going to take advantage of the new aerodynamic regulations and be a genuine championship contender this year. But there's not a whole lot of cause for optimism after the Australian Grand Prix because to start with they weren't on the pace of either the Mercedes or the Ferrari, and then to make things worse, both Ricardo and Verstappen were pushing so hard to try and get all that time out of the car. They made unforced errors. We saw Verstappen running wide and damaging the floor of his car in one of the practice sessions. And then it got worse in qualifying with Ricardo crashing his car in qualifying session number three, which meant that uh, he got a five grid spot penalty because they had to do a gearbox change on the car. But that all became pretty much academic and irrelevant anyway, because like you said, the car then failed on the warm-up lap and then during the race after Ricardo joined the race a couple of laps down it ultimately retired with an engine problem anyway so that was just the worst possible weekend for the Australian driver on home soil. Mm. Formula One they are in a different position than they've been in for many years where the world champion is not on the grid and uh, with the retirement of Rosberg what did we see with the Mercedes team and their new young replacement? Terry Bottas stepping into the void left by Nico Rosberg with his departure from the sport at the end of the season. And Bottas did a solid job. Um, in qualifying, he was a fair way behind Hamilton. 
in the race, he was a lot closer to Hamilton, though, and punched out very consistent lap times and managed to finish on the podium, which, considering it was his first race with the team and that he was under a lot of pressure given the team's success through the last three seasons, you'd have to say that he did a commendable job. What about the rest of the pack? Was there any notable running midfield or even towards the back? Yeah, a couple of interesting stories that unfolded over the course of the weekend. Uh, Romain Grosjean did a very good job in qualifying in the Haas to get sixth on the grid. Unfortunately, the car had a mechanical problem during the race, which meant that, uh, unfortunately, he didn't finish. The other big story was the fact that Pascal Verlein, who was supposed to line up in the Sauber, was a late scratching due to a back injury that was playing up, and that meant that Antonio Giovinazzi, the Italian driver who was runner-up in the GP2 series last year, got a late call-up. And he did a sensational job, considering that the first opportunity that he got to drive the car was in practice three on Saturday morning. He only just got out qualified by his teammate, Marcus Ericsson. Um, so, yeah, very good job from G. Venazzi, and hopefully that's not the last time we see him in Formula One because he's definitely got the talent to make a very good career at the very top level of open wheel racing. So in two weeks' time, the circus moves to China. What can we expect uh, in the uh, intervening period for the teams that were not quite there yet. Yeah, well, there's going to be some teams that have got some head-scratching to do, particularly Red Bull, but also the one that we haven't talked about yet is McLaren-Honda. They've been the subject of a lot of discussion, particularly about not only the poor performance, but also the unreliability of the Honda engines. And Fernando Alonso has been less than subtle in some of his criticisms of both the car and the power plant, and I think he's rapidly losing patience with being in such an uncompetitive car. So they've got a lot of work to do, that team, not just to become more competitive in terms of speed, but actually put a car together that's capable of finishing races without any mechanical dramas. The Grand Prix weekend is much more than just Formula One in Australia, and we saw a number of racing divisions out on the circuit. And, uh, of course, Australian GT is a category which... uh, Lachlan has been growing in momentum and has had some interesting races over the weekend. It did. They had a total of four races in the GT Championship and a bit of a different format for them as well, where the professional drivers were in races one and three and the amateur drivers were in races two and four, or in the cases of the drivers who were participating solo, they ran in all four races. So we had some good variation in results over the weekend. Good to see such spectacular cars on the racetrack and some very well-credentialed drivers. The GT Championship has is rapidly establishing a reputation as becoming an alternative career pathway for those who either don't quite make it to supercars or, in many cases, those who don't necessarily want to pursue a career in supercars. Um, and also a category for drivers who might race part-time as endurance drivers in the supercars. So we saw the likes of Ashley Walsh and David Russell out there in the GT Championship putting on a good show, but in the end it was the Audi of Jeff Emery and uh, Kelvin Van Verlinde that uh, rose to the top. Um, very competitive performance from the Melbourne Performance Centre team in all four races. Mm. And, of course, the supercars were out there in a non-championship round and DJR Team Penske delivered on the form and the promise that they have been showing. They did. So finally they managed to get some race victories and not only that, but 
their drivers, Fabian Coulthard and Scott McLaughlin, managed to finish 1-2 overall for the weekend, and that was despite the fact that they had some dramas in the fourth and final race of the weekend. And it was very interesting to hear Roland Dane's comments about the rise to prominence for DJR Team Penske. And I think that they might be starting to rattle the Triple Eight cage a bit. It's always hard to read into the Grand Prix because it's not a championship round and it's not always an accurate reflection of how the rest of the season's going to pan out. But yeah, very encouraging signs for them. And Simmons Plains in a couple of weeks' time, we look very much forward to seeing if they can continue that momentum. And of course, Carrera Cup were also on the grid. And Cam McConville, he's in and out of retirement, and he's making a good fist of it when he's out of retirement. He can still drive, can't he? He hasn't lost any of his ability at all, taking it up to some much younger drivers and coming away with the overall round win in Carrera Cup on the weekend, which was the 100th round in the history of Carrera Cup in Australia. So. Yeah, great to see from Cam McConville. He ended up level on points with Nick McBride for the weekend that was awarded the round win based on the count back of finishing higher in the fourth and final race of the weekend. And uh, Andre Heimgartner, not in the supercars full-time anymore, but still accumulating valuable miles in Carrera Cup and continuing to lead the championship standings after the first two rounds. Good to see him uh, putting his best foot forward as well. Well, Lachlan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you on Inside Motorsport and look forward to speaking you throughout the year with a, a big Formula One season ahead. No worries. Thanks, as always, for having me, Craig. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.